0: This is episode 109 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 109 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have another great episode for you. I have John Kepler on the show for the second time. He was on episode, I believe it was 29 or 28. And uh, John just came in and he started wrapping off all these incredibly important nuts and bolts for real estate investors to know that very few actually do know. And uh, one of John's main tools is the vendor take back mortgage. He's always using it and he's using it to buy Mixed use commercial buildings, multifamily buildings. John, I believe he said is over 22 properties now. And, uh, he's getting some pretty amazing cap rates, some pretty amazing cash flow in Owen Sound, Ontario. So very, very savvy, polished investor. And, uh, he makes it look easy. John's a great example of how being school educated doesn't necessarily mean you're educated. John is uh heavily self-educated. He took it upon himself to learn what he needed to know. Uh very few people come off as polished as John and uh it's no surprise to me that he gets deals done all day long and that people take him really seriously. So John's always fun to talk to. The stuff he said in this interview, uh sometimes all I can do is laugh just because I uh, I really do enjoy the uh the thought that goes into what he does and how successful he is at what he does so true rags to riches story Although I'm not sure John would like me saying that, but he started at Wendy's and he's worked his way all the way up to, uh, to being the successful real estate investor that he is today. So you're not going to want to miss this one. As always, if you haven't already done so, make sure that you hit the like and subscribe button below. Hit that notification bell if you haven't already done so and go ahead and leave me a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, if you are listening on the audio format, please make sure that you leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts so that more people can find this show. If you're new, also it wouldn't be a bad idea to go over to my website andrew hinescom and grab a copy of my cash flow analyzer. This will help you to analyze deals. I often use this when I'm breaking down the numbers in the episodes of this show. Okay, so without further ado, please enjoy episode 109 with John Kepler. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have on the show for the second time, John Kepler. John, how you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming up. Thanks for having me. Great to be here little day trip yeah. um so we were actually not not too long ago we met up in owen sound we did a little tour up there that's that's kind of your uh, your stomping grounds for investing mm-hmm. and um i obviously wanted to do a, a recap because last time we'd spoken on the podcast you were talking about how you just moved down to uh saint thomas not that long before right and uh you know you wanted to be in the thick of things get your uh your house at less than the cost of replacement, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, thanks for remembering that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I I resonate with that a lot. So anyways, Mm -hmm. why don't you just give an update on Like what's changed since the last time you were on the podcast for you and your investment strategy and and what are you up to now?
1: Well, it took a little while to get situated. We uh, moved in, got settled, um, had a a small um, refinancing of my home at the six-month mark as well. I, I got some short-term financing on it. Um, a vendor take back. Did you? Actually, we t- talked about VTBs. I did. So we got a short-term VTB just to get the deal done and then do some reorganizing afterwards. Yeah. So um, So that was... Let's call it a distraction. Um, yeah. You know, six months in, we had to move some money around and kind of get that sorted out. So that um, was my focus. therefore, in that six month period, we weren't buying apartment buildings, but then we got back to it in 2020, yeah and uh, bought three more in Owen Sound, and we're continuing on.
0: Okay. So yeah, you know what? It's funny. Somebody just men- mentioned to me um, that they wanted to know more about VTVs. They wanted to know more about financing, VTVs, implications, all that stuff. So I just got that because I-, I posted today uh, that I wanted, you know, what do you want to know about? So I- we should definitely dig into that some more. Um, so you're back at it, knowing Sound. And uh, are you still pursuing the same strategy? Are you still getting vendor take back mortgages um, every time you do a deal? Absolutely. The same thing. Um,
1: you know, before I started in my career at all, I would hear uh, podcasts. I'd hear Americans saying um, that they had done good deals. And I, I've, my whole career, I've mm-hmm. wondered if the best VTB deals were in the past. And then uh, every time I wonder that, I'm, I'm proven wrong. Um, just, I've been worrying about this for 12 yeah. plus years, but uh, they're continuing on.
0: Okay, And you mentioned to me that you're still finding a lot of deals just through people that know you. Is that is that the main way you're finding deals or are you finding them on the market too? It's about 50-50 right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes things will lag on the market or there's just – it's so interesting with listings, especially in Owen Sound because you don't get um, – with multifamily, you don't get the crazy multiple offers and the incredible – interest right uh on some of these properties at first so some of them do lag there'll be a problem where other investors just aren't equipped to handle the problem and i'll come in and i'll be willing to take it on at the right price yeah so yeah you would think that we might miss uh miss all of the deals or refuse to accept some of the deals that are listed but it's about 50 50.
0: okay so you you've pretty much across the board are still getting vtbs so on on everything
1: Um. Uh, yeah i i say about 50 50 for that too but it's actually yeah it is on almost everything isn't it two-thirds maybe right now that's incredible yeah. so you just
0: go in with the expectation because i don't think most people think that way mm-hmm. and so when you're working with realtors they probably already know who you are and even if like the listing agent will know, know of you yeah typically. They, they know i asked for a vtb last time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's similar realtors listing similar properties so they're usually um like what's what's your typical target now like what are you trying to get
1: uh, so we have a 14-unit a building that's uh, at the lawyers right now, so closing shortly um, before nice. this airs. Uh, though I still like small buildings. I think uh, triplexes are probably my favorite size, actually, because you don't need an AACI appraisal. There is a, a robust market for them if you were to sell, so they appraise very well. Yeah. Uh, they appreciate very well. And I know some people, they want to buy... Uh, one or two small buildings and then they consider progression to be getting into bigger and bigger and bigger properties. But I don't mind just owning a a collection of small buildings. Um, At the beginning of my career, I thought that, you know, I, I bought a, a sevenplex, and I thought, okay, seven's gonna be my minimum. I'm gonna buy the huge ones, but that's not how it turns out. I, yeah. I like the collection of the smaller buildings.
0: Well, yeah, like you said, they're 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 pretty liquid. You know, if, if pe- there's a lot of buyers out there that can buy a, a triplex in Owen Sound, there's mm-hmm. a lot less buyers that have the uh, the understanding to buy a sevenplex or or a, or above because you have to understand commercial financing, the commercial process, yeah, all that jazz. So, and when when I buy a mixed use and. It's a thinner
1: market uh, it, it's still fine. It still works. Um, and the appraiser still makes it through his report. But it is nice when you have a property that you already own and there are just more comparables, better comparables. There are new entrants to the market who are pushing up the comparables. And so it's just, again, you have to do the deal that works for you. But it's nice when you're already participating in, in a kind of a subsector like triplexes where there's a lot of action
0: behind you and it can be demonstrated. So you're saying you like triplexes, you're in them, and you know a lot of them are transacting and it works well. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I know like I've been around, see some of your properties, you have some, you do have quite a bit of mixed use. Mm-hmm. So what's well. your strategy with that? Knowing that, you know, especially now with the lockdown, you know, retail business that's non-essential is hurting. Mm-hmm. Is that affecting you? You know, are you looking differently? Are you trying to convert them to residential? Like what's the play on that now?
1: A very important question, very timely, and we're not uh, we're not pivoting or uh, worrying as much as people may think. We've had no substantial trouble with we've had no um, incredible non-payment where you know we've come and changed the locks on a commercial tenant or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, we've worked with everyone, almost almost no non-payment within the commercial portfolio. We even um, leased, we had a new lease um, mm-hmm. during the pandemic. So yeah. it's happening. Um, businesses are essential.
0: Okay, so there's a lot more. There's a, there's a lot of businesses that can fall into the essential. I guess if you're you know serve if you serve some food, you can you can fall into essential. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what's your typical type of tenant? Well, first off, how many commercial units are we talking that you have across? oh and sound uh, just a
1: room <laughs>
0: i think it's uh, about eight or nine right now eight or nine and yeah. what would the mix of tenants be like give me some examples you don't have to tell me specific
1: it's more interesting mix than you think um, yeah. one i like to mention is the collections agent uh, okay. i don't think he's going anywhere and i don't think he'd mind me you know saying that we have a collections agent doesn't yeah why in our not portfolio. so that's great so he, he's gonna be fine um, We do have a little bit of food. We have a takeout restaurant. It was planned as a takeout restaurant. So that's better than Mm -hmm. uh, betting on an entire dining room that you can't have. Uh, We have um, one or more nonprofits. Um, We have one company that uh, basically does dispatch. Um, So they they do need a little bit of office space. It's just a small office space. And they're kind of uh, running the rest of their business from their little kind of call center. Okay. and uh, an, an art gallery, um, just a, a broader mix than you would think. Everything from, you know, a bit of food to office to nonprofit, um, mm. all across the board, everything that you'd find in a community.
0: Okay. So looking forward to other Maltese. like when you buy them, what kind of value do you put on the commercial element of your purchase? Like, I think a lot of people think very simply in terms of residential. It makes a lot of sense to them to buy, say, a fiveplex or sixplex or a tenplex. But the second you throw in two commercial units in there, myself included, I don't always know or have a mental picture for who I would put in there, what kind of value or what kind of approach I should take with those commercial units.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. I I wondered about that as my career progressed. Um, when we had exactly one commercial unit, I felt that that they had to work or i would have payment issues myself right so i really took a gamble and um of course i did my due diligence but that one really had to work beyond that i've always just understood that as we grow if we have a little bit of commercial trouble that's okay and it's going to be covered Mm -hmm. by the residential
0: yeah you've got it so you're offset so do you like buying commercial or is that just something you'll take if you have to
1: Still a bit of a guarded answer for me. Yeah, I I like how you said take if you have to. So we've just done well. You can't argue with the with our track record and our spreadsheets. Though I I've always wondered. You know, I don't want to over over uh i don't don't want to load up on too much commercial i don't want to have more than i should don't want to be affected don't want to be overly affected if you had major commercial problems so let's say half your commercial portfolio had a problem you'd want to be able to stomach that right you'd Mm -hmm. want to be able to rely on your apartments so again it's something i'm always watching uh but it's continued to go well Mm -hmm. so you you can't argue with the with the fact that things are continuing to work even in the the second year of the pandemic It's the second
0: year. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're coming, coming up onto uh, yeah, that, that ugly anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so what would you, like, say you were looking at a five, five unit building with a main floor commercial. Uh, so four residential, uh, four commercial, how would you value that building? Did
1: you say uh, four residential, four commercial? So
0: four residential,
1: one commercial. One commercial, okay. Uh, So one, I mean, we all have our pet formulas, right? So one thing that's nice is when um, you have a three-story and and only the first floor is commercial. Um, So, you know, 33% commercial rather than 50-50. So some of it comes down to square footage. If we're talking, if we're kind of presuming that each one of those rents is a thousand dollars. You know, the apartments are each a thousand dollars, but then the storefront's also a thousand dollars. I would just make sure that I get a slightly better cap rate and ask for a VTB. So, what kind of cap rate would you be looking for? Well, I know that I can get it appraised for around seven, so I'm just trying to beat seven. Or if I can't beat seven by a lot, I want to have a plan to improve the financials to raise rents. Yeah, because um, you don't typically do burrs, right? It's well, not, I don't do burrs that require very heavy renovations.
0: So you might do a little bit and then go back and refinance. Yeah, I, I mean, one
1: time I, I bought a building completely vacant and the burr consisted of leasing. It was like just lease a, it out. Know yeah. leasing burr is a term, but uh,
0: sure. I mean, any <laughs> any any value add, right? If you if you increase income, that's that's an that's a value add. It's yeah, an improvement. So we do burrs that are let's say renovation light.
1: Um, sometimes it's just, it's just a reworking of the financials or um, kind of turning over some tenants. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah, John, if you could just recap for us, like I know we talked about it last episode, but if you could recap uh, what the VTB is and how you use it in in these different projects, obviously it's uh, it's something that not a lot of people are actually making use of, and you're doing a very good job of it. So let's not let's not breeze by that. Let's just uh, kind of dissect it a little bit.
1: I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So. A vendor ta- a VTB is a vendor take back. So a, v- a vendor take back mortgage. And what that means is that the seller of the property is going to loan you some money towards the purchase of the property. It's usually structured as either a first mortgage, a second mortgage, or if you're fortunate, you're a good negotiator and you have a relationship with the vendor, you can occasionally get it as a promissory note. But, um,
0: uh, yeah. Is that what you did on your house or is, uh, uh, that one happened to be registered,
1: yeah. though I, I have had a couple others. It's usually with a vendor who has sold other properties in the past. It's a little easier to so they know you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're, you've got uh, you've got that personality in in uh, in Owen Sound. Everybody knows you. Everybody uh, everybody has a you know a mutual respect for you, and uh, I imagine that helps you do business a lot. There, I, I appreciate that. I've, yeah. I've done my best. Um, yeah. yeah, even but even when it is registered, I mean,
1: I, I've I had a vendor recently tell me flat out that you know, it's registered. I mean, they do have recourse if something were to happen, but just the size of it and the terms of it are still based on them watching me for the last few years. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Like there's people that are going to give you more aggressive terms because they believe in you. They know, they know that you're probably not going to be trouble. So that's why reputation is so important in this game. Exactly. Um, Is there any particular reason that you haven't tried to do this in St. Thomas, not to get off track here, but I'm just curious. No, that's a very fair question. I
1: always wondered it. It, in our business every year we ask ourselves when we're going to go ahead and start a second hub Mm -hmm. it just hasn't been something that we need to try and justify i thought uh, the market in Owen sound might dry up a little more than it has or ability to negotiate vtbs could possibly dry up and so we're always ready to start a second hub if needed but it just hasn't happened Mm -hmm. um and when it does, it's going to be extremely purposeful. So even yeah. though we live in St. Thomas, I may or may not choose St. Thomas.
0: Well, yeah. Why would you? Uh, because where you are now, the numbers have been great. And you just had last year like a 17% year-over-year increase in values on average. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty darn good for your portfolio. And I'm sure that you've seen quite the boost to your net worth.
1: It's it's it's, it's it 's hard to count, you, you almost want to uh, update your net know, worth statement every month at this point <laughs> yeah
0: that 's a good feeling, right you 're making money while you sleep, cash flow and appreciation, whereas I think Owen Sound was traditionally just more the cash flow market, not really the appreciation market, so yeah, historically uh, very much so exactly Yeah, so things have, things have changed there, and I th- I like really like that area, which is you know why we 've talked about it a fair bit and we met and and, and looked over there. I think that it 's got an incredible future, and I think a lot of people are going to be moving up that way just because it is still more affordable. Just naturally right in terms of like a typical deal let's let's walk through a recent purchase and we can talk about the VTB how you structured it and uh, and go from there so at uh, the 14 units is there a VTB on that uh, there is um yeah. so that that one happens to be a second
1: mortgage so okay. I've done first mortgage VTBs as well Yeah. So uh, again, I don't know what what direction we want to take this one. We'll take this
0: one. Let's let's go ahead and and go through uh, go through this one. The 14 unit building. I think you know it's fresh. Sure. Sure. um, So 14 units, all all residential, or there's a mix of commercial. So it's 11 residential and three commercial. Okay. So let's write this: 11 res, three commercial. And uh, what did you end up paying for that one? Uh, 1.3 million. What do you typically? I know you told me this before. What's your typical per unit rate that you're trying to get Uh, in terms of rents? No, like in terms of what you're willing to pay. I know like in Hamilton or people are paying like 200 grand a unit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I don't really want to pay much beyond 125. I like to pay a lot less than 125. But I I also have a uh, I have some conviction in terms of where the market is going.
0: Yeah, of course. I think we both know that market's going to probably go up. Yes. And I think a big reason for that is inflation is is just going to do its thing. Uh, people are not going to be able to afford living in the Toronto area. Hamilton even is getting out of price range for a lot of people. So I, I think it's a natural instinct to look outward. And from Toronto, Owen Sound really isn't that far uh, you've got Barry, uh, which is uh, obviously quite a bit more expensive. So I think that this is in that uh, you know you could work from home and come into the office once a week. People might actually start moving out that far. I, I don't know uh, if that's the case. They might move halfway and push other people out to Owen Sound. Yeah, interestingly, the position from the mayor,
1: council, and I imagine city employees is that um, Owen Sound has recently decided that they want to be the, uh, I think they call it the telecommuting capital of Ontario. So okay. I I believe there's marketing materials in process. I mm-hmm. I'll have to review and have to see how how far the
0: city of Owen Sound takes yeah. that. But uh, I just think it's natural. Like it's it's like you talk about cost of replacement. I think a lot of what you can still get in Owen Sound is roughly around cost of replacement. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah, even below. Um, which but, I mean, that can't stay in a growing economy. That just can't stay. Like no. people are naturally going to flock there. Like, well, oh, my my dollar goes further here. Yeah, I need to be in Ontario and. So we've talked about um, in, in employment situation there. I mean, there's not a, a whole ton of industry right in Owen Sound. Of course, you got Bruce Power that's not too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get back to this case study in a second, but just kind of giving some context here: what else is going on in Owen Sound?
1: Well, I think your view in terms of employment and that sort of growth is very much dependent on whether you're considering the pandemic and whether you're looking relatively short term or longer term. There, we would mention kind of quickly in a larger paragraph previously. About how Owen Sound had relatively large, a lot, relatively large healthcare sector, mm-hmm. though I think more recently everyone is kind of. Doubling down on their research in that regard, you know, ex- how many people do we have working and even down to Airbnbs? Um, yeah. you know, you, you have Airbnbs that you can't necessarily rent out to the vacationing public right now, but you can rent them out to healthcare employees yeah. who need places to stay. So, so I think Owen Sound's healthcare sector has always been fairly robust, but there's, um, there's an extra spotlight on that right now. People are really focused on that. And, uh, um, yeah. and again, Okay, you have to watch the language you use, but people are relying on that and taking pride in that, and kind of relying on that for a bit of growth. Not that you know you want to take too much pleasure in people getting sick, but the, well, no, the healthcare, healthcare is important, though. And, yeah. and you're
0: you're the hub for the area. I mean, yeah. Owen Sound would probably be the biggest hospital in the area. It is yeah. within an hour's uh, drive, probably. At more more than an hour, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's a regional health center. If you're too sick for um, for the Owen Sound Hospital, then you get uh, airlifted to London
0: airlifted to london yeah, yeah so so that's a that's a big thing i mm-hmm. mean and, and so that obviously is going to keep people there it's going to constantly like people go into shop they have you have a mall in Owen Sound and not open right now but uh but that you know obviously is going to be coming back into play yeah okay so lots of stuff going on there but i mean i go back to this debate a lot and i think these markets will naturally just it doesn't depend so much on industry it doesn't so much depend on what's going on although there are things going on in that area uh you know, particularly, it's a really nice area for hiking and for beaches and all that stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. So on top of that, it's just cheap still. And, and as long it as is. as long as relatively it is cheaper than the other markets, I think that people are going to continue to push that value up a bit.
1: Yeah, and the difference between Owenstown and other markets seems to, to continue to increase. I mean, even on like cap rates, right? There, there are more cities outside, I'd say almost outside of the GTA. Well, London's firmly outside of the GTA. London, Windsor, yeah. cap rates are coming way down. And they're not to the same degree
0: in Owens Sound. Yeah, your cap rates are staying up. Yeah. so you're still able to find seven seven percent cap rates. on Se- the market. Seven
1: seven easily. What, yeah. What I said earlier was um, I don't ex- I don't necessarily expect the appraiser to to buy into yeah. a cap rate. So you could of, find of less yourself, than seven. But yeah,
0: you could find yourself an eight cap to buy. I still can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And come to think of it, I ha- I have appraised
1: the triflex for a six point five cap as well before. So it, you know, in that range.
0: Okay. I mean, six cap still is actually. Pretty pretty good. I mean, for me, like I used to gauge it with a six cap. I could actually f- uh, finance my down payment at like ten percent, like on a like promissory note, yeah, and still cash flow. Oh yeah. so, I could I could basically be into the deal with nothing and still break even, maybe make a hundred bucks, and that was like a huge win to me if I could get into something that makes money. And so, in an one sound similar scenario, you're talking big cash flow, even even at like at a seven relative to what other investors are used to in Hamilton and London. It's it's a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. Um unless you're finding a special deal, which of course you know some people do. Um okay, so let's go through the, the numbers on this uh this property. So you bought it for 1.3. What kind of reno are you thinking of doing, or are you thinking of doing any reno?
1: Uh so not to, to overcomplicate our discussion, but there there are some other things behind the scenes with this building. So uh I already manage it. So okay. So I've managed it for a couple of years. Uh, and so I have kind of a working knowledge of it. So uh, the building has been slowly being improved during my time managing it, okay. which put the put money in the owner's pocket, I suppose. And so n- we're just going to continue the strategy. So
0: okay, so it's just ongoing maintenance versus significant upfront maintenance. World's
1: slowest yeah. burr, yes. World's slowest burr. Yeah. So you
0: is there a plan to to refinance immediately or not really?
1: No okay we've got financing for a couple years on this one
0: all right so let's go through this structure then on this and um i need to add a a row to my spreadsheet so that we can do a second mortgage because you got two sure um okay so starting at the top do you know like ballpark what are you getting on average per unit there
1: uh, so I, I admit I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me. This is That's this okay. is gonna be ballpark. We're
0: gonna back of the envelope type numbers on this one. Excellent. Yeah. So there are no extraordinarily below market
1: rents in this building. I think most of them are sevens and eights, but of course new rental is in the nines
0: or maybe nine ninety-nine per month, something okay, like that. Okay, for a one bed or two bed, or? One bed? One bed. One bed? Yeah. Okay. So you're you're around eight hundred a unit then probably? I say average is eight hundred, eight fifty, yeah. Including the commercials as well. There are eight hundred, eight fifty as well. Uh Actually, that might average out pretty
1: well. One is a lot smaller than the other two. But um, yeah, actually, you know what? That's a,
0: that's a fair average. So 800 across everything. So 800 times 14, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's $11,200 a month gross. What kind of vacancy rate would you figure in in uh, sound
1: So if we're trying to use real financials. Um, like 1% or 2%.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, low. it's
1: close to zero. I mean, yeah. you, you could even do 3 or 4 including your non-payments even if you have some some issues getting Sure. So back. if
0: you wanted to be conservative, we could say 3. Um okay. Yeah. Uh, ballpark property taxes on that are we going to be like 10,000? A, a little
1: higher. I think this one's around 15. 15? Okay.
0: Uh and then insurance on a building like that's pretty big. You're probably like 5 grand or 6 grand. Something like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, Though um in fairness there is also um the commercial tenants reimburse you for a portion of Okay, the so you get some tax. of it back. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're actually paying 7. You're paying
0: 7? Yeah. Okay. Okay, and um maintenance on this one since you are doing an ongoing improvement, maybe we'll factor closer to like 10% so 11 grand a year. Is that Yeah. Is that a fair estimate? Yeah, we might even get our again our
1: small, you know, low small in scope never ending burr. We might even get some of that work done within that 11. So you, you, could, okay. you could run it. I mean, if you were trying to, to penny pinch, you could run it for less than
0: 11. Okay, so we, we might, you know, touch up that number and say, hey, it might be might be less than that. So I'll just put a little highlight on that. Um, utilities on this building, are you going to be paying water? Um, like I'm assuming electric's separated, but nothing else is? Electric separated.
1: Um, there are some reimbursements for heat,
0: um, but we're paying the whole water bill. You're, so you're paying quite a bit. So what do you figure... Um, do you want to try and estimate it, break it down? Like, what, what would water be for 14 units on a...
1: I'm interested to see where this comes out in the end, which we estimate on es- <laughs> I, estimates. But I, 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 I think it's about it. $4,000.
0: You think 4000 for water on a year? Yeah. Okay, well, let's just, let's just go ahead and say that. So 4000 for the water, and then you've got uh, gas heat throughout. So forced air gas heat or boiler heat? No, it's,
1: it's electric upstairs, but we don't pay for it. but it's electric Or actually, right.
0: no, come to think of it, it is boiler throughout. Boiler throughout, so yeah. boilers are pretty efficient. Yeah. Um, I don't know what we should figure here. Maybe two hundred bucks a month for gas, or two uh, fifty. A little more, two fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll say two fifty times twelve. I like doing it like this because this is what somebody is going to do when they're just looking at you know an MLS listing or, they're, or they find a property that's unlisted. You're just going to want to get an idea of yes. what that property is is costing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so that's that, and then you're going to have some common electrical, right? Uh Oh, that's, yes, that's minor, $100 a
1: month, $75 so a month. Yeah. Okay.
0: So 100 times 12. Let's say. Yeah. So that looks like about $8,200 a year in utilities. Is that about right? Reasonably close, yes. Reasonably close. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to be perfect here, we're, but we're not trying to be either. Yeah. In, um, in
1: my own defense, I wasn't sure what property we were breaking down today. So <laughs> we could have just easily broke, broken down a triplex. <laughs> we,
0: we might break down more than one, so we'll sure. see here. I always sure. just play it by ear with this stuff. Um, for management, are you paying... I know you have your own internal uh, company that does management. Yes. So are you paying... Like, Do you want to factor something here for some of your employees' wages, or do you want to just... So it depends. Yeah, you, you can
1: count it differently depending yeah. on who's asking, right? Uh, for my own internals, I'm comfortable with zero because I know
0: yeah. I have a, okay. a separate No, bleed. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. good with that. Um, I do that too when I'm looking at it for myself. I know I'm not going to pay anything, but I will factor in like a miscellaneous charge for just miscellaneous expenses related to management right. if that's going to come up. Uh, uh,
1: on the other hand, I'm losing something like six or $700 a month uh, in uh, real, you know, to my bank account management fees uh, because as a manager, we got paid and now as an owner, we don't get paid.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're giving <laughs> up. to think of it, you're giving up some revenue to own the building. Yes. Interesting. Okay, but we'll we'll, we'll hear with the motivation shortly here, because I'm sure the numbers look great at the end. Uh, lawn cutting, snow removal, garbage removal. Yeah, that, that this building is well set up for that. There
1: is uh, a little bit of um, snow removed from the sidewalks uh, at the front, but the building has no grass. It has no large parking lot. Um, what else did you say? Sorry. Oh, uh, so lawn cutting. No, well. yeah, no, no, virtually no snow. Absolutely no lawn. It's uh, it's set up well. <laughs> so, all, so all my so, other buildings on this street on Second Avenue East, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they have parking lots, but you know, doing the work yeah. on a parking lot if you're fortunate enough to have a parking lot is also worth it. But yeah. this one doesn't have one. There's no parking lot. No.
0: So no parking. be offered right or can they park on the street uh they can pay for a municipal parking pass okay and that's not a that's not a deterrent people still rent easily with no parking
1: yeah it's i mean everyone would prefer parking Mm -hmm. but uh people are willing to buy the the municipal passes um parking is always a bit of a situation downtown uh kind of decade in decade out people always wish there was more parking but at the same time it is what it is people are used to it and
0: uh yeah and as long as the market's it, cool with it like that's yeah. the that's the key right if if the market won't have it or if you can't rent then that's the issue but you know your market you know they'll rent so it's not a case of yeah.
1: me having no parking and then my competitors yeah. in the market having lots of parking
0: okay so no snow no uh, like just a little bit of shoveling which you can leave to the tenants yeah and then garbage removal are you going to have a, a garbage bin or are they all just taking it out to the road at this
1: building they they take it to the
0: curb okay and Do you feel like you need to budget anything in case they're not doing a great job of that or not really?
1: Uh, (laughs) That does happen from time to time. Actually, this property has been pretty clean. It seems that the more yard space, the more, well, you know, the, the, the more open space a building has for garbage dumping, the more it attracts garbage dumping. This, this okay. building fortunately doesn't have if you
0: limited. It. It, does, it
1: doesn't have the physical <laughs> yeah. space for illegal dumping, therefore <laughs> it seems to happen less. Yes.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're just going to go ahead and zero that out. That's rare that you can just zero that out altogether. But mm-hmm. um, these are the things you start to look at as an investor. What can I, uh, what it's can I do here? It's fascinating once you
1: Yeah, once you have some experience and you learn yeah. that you know this property gets dumping, this other property doesn't. It's mm-hmm. some people don't like talking about the grimier aspects, but I mean, we yeah. signed up for the game, and sure. uh, yeah, it's
0: interesting regardless. Nice. Um, okay, so looking at the numbers so far, you said uh, 1.3 is what you paid, right? Yes. Okay, so let's just go ahead and... All right, so cap rate-wise, unless we've made a mistake, uh, some of our assumptions might be off here. Uh, I've got 5.6% uh, cap rate. Does that sound right? Uh, I'm probably
1: working hard not to to juice the income on the building, give you a false number. It,
0: yeah. It's likely I'm, I'm it's likely several thousand low
1: on income. Yeah. yeah.
0: So maybe it's more like 850 on average, which would put you over a six cap. Yeah. Just 6.1. So we might even be off a little bit still, but let's just assume that for the second. Um, okay. So as far as financing structure goes, um, your first mortgage, did you do a 75% first? 65. 65, yeah, because you've got commercial. Yeah. Um, okay, so 65% first, 845, that's going to be a 24 or 25 year amortization. What kind of interest rate did you get on that first?
1: So this one's expensive. So I, I mentioned that we have our financing lined up for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, that would be on the second mortgage. So on the first, we might actually use a one year term. Well, we've agreed to a one year term, but we'll see what we do. We may actually have yeah. the second mortgage postpone. And get something new in a year or two depending okay. on how things go so this is a higher interest rate because we is to get a private the deal first
0: done. yeah so it's a private first at nine. okay yeah at, at nine nine okay yeah. so no amortization then you're you're just uh you're just interest only exactly okay so nine percent on the first and then what percentage did you get on the second Like, sorry, sort what what um, loan to value did you get on the second so you're 65 percent loan to value on the first what what loan to value are you on the second uh
1: so I have the dollars in my head, not the percentage, but it is
0: I'm thinking live here, it ninety-five ish. You're like approximately ninety five? Yeah. Okay. So another thirty percent uh loan to value on the on the uh second. Let's just see where that puts us. So does three ninety sound approximately right? Uh yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're we're getting there. Okay. And then what kind of interest rate did you get on that second? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> okay, so you're not making any payments at all then? No. All right, so that makes your cash flow easy. It so, is
1: a simple spreadsheet, at least, at least on one line.
0: <laughs> okay, so with an interest-only first uh, at 9% and an interest-only second at 0%, your total monthly debt service is uh, 622184 uh, Does that sound about right? That actually does sound about right. Yeah, okay. And you're going to be getting a cash flow. It looks like on here, a 381. So I suspect we might have made a mistake in our average rents. Yeah, I think I, yeah. Again, you know, the worst thing you
1: can do is overstate numbers, right? So I I need to truly add up what the average rents are at the building. I mean, again, on new units, we're getting almost 1,000. I, I can't recall okay. from memory the commercial. So but. you're
0: naturally going to turn those over. It's going to grow. Your commercial might be a bit different. If yeah. it if it happens to be 900 uh, a unit on average, then your cash flow is 920 dollars a month. What and cap rate would that work out to? That would work out to be a 6.59.
1: We're closer to that. Get Getting yeah.
0: closer to that. So yeah, you're probably in this ballpark. And then plus you have you have upward trajectory as you turn units over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, no matter what, you're <laughs> it's hard to say you're you're losing here, and we're going to see why in just a second. Of course. Um, because you're really not putting down that much, uh, so let's just see what uh, what the total uh, down payment is. And it's it's certainly
1: vital to create these spreadsheets and do this work at a moment in time, right? So yeah. you can't you can't just go in without reviewing the numbers and kind of hope for yeah. the best. But at the same time, especially with a larger building like this, where there's always something going on, it will be just that a moment in time. So. Yeah even three months i mean you know as we're talking about this i'm thinking mm-hmm. about how we have two units that we've turned over yeah so again we talked about average rents today to keep it simple but in terms of what mm-hmm. rents are market what rents are not we have two new market rents in the building right so yeah one, one just moved in one's moving in um next
0: month yeah so you're and, naturally going to be you're going to be increasing yeah, this right up yeah and every, every, I like quarter, every quarter something good happens and you have so much cash flow in your portfolio as it is it's not like that that hurts you to have a relatively low cash flow on this initially when you know that it's coming up over the next the next little bit exactly yeah, yeah. that's that's uh a, a no brainer in my opinion so kind of looking at how this this return breaks down so you'd you'd probably have roughly um we'll call it on a commercial like this five thousand legals to close it um yeah, actually between all the lawyers, you've got the lawyers for the lenders as well. Yes. So, there's a lot of lawyers involved, so I would say 5 grand uh, for for all your legal's, which is more than like the 1700 you'd normally have. Um, yeah, cuz you're paying the other side as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing with all those. And then yeah. every time you do private money and they register it, you've got another lawyer and then you pay your lawyer to register it. That's yeah. why promissory notes are nice when you when you can get those. For uh, sure. Okay, so then your land transfer is going to be about 22,400 and then you've got uh, down payment um, pretty much in this in this regard of sixty five thousand or so
1: yeah about right yeah,
0: so you're you're you 're really not doing too too badly um and so that 's a ninety two thousand dollar total investment. your cash on cash return there is just short of twelve percent, and of course, if your rents end up being higher it 's even better yeah. Uh, so you're doing well there. And then your, you know, appreciation in the ballpark of 39% if it's 3% a year, although I think you're going to be better than that. It certainly was last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so your total return there is about 50 grand conservatively. And then of course it's upward from there. A um, couple of things to note here. It's got to be a private first if you want to bring that second in, unless they're yes. not going to secure it. Correct. Right? So that's the big thing. Like, And I know there are creative ways. I know Um, I've heard stories in the past of, you know, you get the basically seller to secure their mortgage on another property you own so that the bank won't say no.
1: Right. right. Say, oh, you
0: can't put it on the one I'm buying, but you can put it on one of my other properties at 0%.
1: That's, I mean, yeah, yes. And I don't know if you describe that as elegant or troublesome, but it's certainly work regardless. It's not a, not a, a problem free
0: way of resolving it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously work to doing it however which way you do but if you if you're in the game and you know the tricks and you know the angles then you have more ways to make this deal work mm-hmm. if you can't make it work through plan A so I learned a lot of this from Carmen because she has a, an angle to make things work you know oh okay no just go talk to them tell them you can't secure it on this property got to secure it on another one and there's if you approach things with there's the attitude that there's always a way to get the deal done and uh, I think you get pleasantly surprised a lot of the time
1: exactly yeah Th- this deal got done um, because I kept saying no so we we were in talks for quite some time. There was discussion about whether or not there would be another buyer. And yeah, at the end of the day, you just keep keep the door open a little bit. I didn't like uh, kind of the first round of uh, offers and thoughts, and I had it conditional for a bit and threw it back. But yeah, uh, yeah keep talking, keep looking so, for other angles.
0: So talk talk to me about how that worked. Um, like, what did you come forth and say? Like, I'll pay you one point two, and I want a zero percent VTB for the whole amount. Like what was your initial, initial offer? And then where, you know, how did that, that end up where you ended up? Well, we
1: were looking at other properties and I wasn't sure that, uh, that this vendor wanted to sell though. It was their only own sound property. And I knew they, they're very sophisticated, uh, but their investments are elsewhere. And so I, I wasn't sure they wanted to sell. Uh, there was a very high sale on the street, uh, just, just down the street, which I think influenced this vendor. I don't know if they were, uh watching day to day how much the building was appreciating and so once they were made aware they they mentioned to me that they had a little more interest in selling there was also a a realtor who at one point kind of became involved and seemed to i I don't know i guess use the relationships they had to try to um to get them to list it yeah um so anyway there's discussion about that as well but um at the end of the day we uh we submitted an offer Kind of, it was a little high. Um, I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm going a little off track here, but it, it basically, no, basically, no, due, due to everyone kind of working on fresh information, like wow, we can't believe this high appraisal. Wow, uh, the realtor's really saying this guy should sell. Just lot, lots of, um, lots of communication and excitement all around led yeah. to the wrong deal, and so I got a conditional. Uh, kind of, you know, subjected myself to a cool off period. Said no, this isn't going to work. Threw it back, waited,
0: and then yeah. the right deal came. So you offered too much. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so you were originally offered what, like 1.5 or somewhere in that range? I actually can't recall. I
1: actually, I think it was about, yeah. Yeah, it was 1.4 something.
0: Yeah. And had you negotiated in the BTB at that time? Yeah, but not at these terms. Not at the 0% interest rate. <laughs> right. So how did that come up? You're just like, no, this isn't working. Like I need to get it at zero. Otherwise I can't, I can't do this deal. We spend a lot of time,
1: uh, our, you know, we real estate investors, we spend a lot of time talking about what our angles are going to be and, mm-hmm. uh, trying to tailor things to a vendor, right. Uh, consider the other person's perspective frankly I think in this case it was the vendor considering my perspective there was enough back and forth yeah. that uh, they did a good job on me they really distilled down what the nature of my objection was
0: okay and, and the nature of your objection was
1: if you to the nature of my it. objection was cash flow and not wanting to pay too much for a VTB uh, yeah. Which which is why ultimately I didn't <laughs> so, have to. Yeah. So <laughs> how could you argue zero is playing too much? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, but but at the same time, and and this wasn't spin. Um, yeah. my behavior kind of indicated that this is what i would need to move forward yeah right so it's funny people talk about salesmanship or gamesmanship it wasn't that it was that i i truly had thoughts and concerns and a lack of enthusiasm and so i said no and i kind of yeah. went away and i said no don't talk to me about this thing. i'm just going to do other stuff and it, it was you know their their kind of yeah. discipline that brought me back and narrowed it down
0: but why wouldn't they have just gone ahead and listed at that point what, what was it when you said, nah, it's not really working for me. Why not? Why didn't they just go on list?
1: Oh, I, well At the beginning of this podcast today, I talked about how there are smaller buildings like triplexes where there's a, a good amount of volume, right. And then a high number of comparables. Yeah. It's just more difficult to sell a building this large, that's, you know, sound. In yeah. sound.
0: Yeah. yeah. Less people are going to be inclined to want um, to, to want to get into that price point up there. And it's not, it's not that there isn't a
1: market. I mean, they can absolutely yeah. be sold and sold for very high prices, but, um, it's It's a process, right, yeah. and so getting a time in terms of getting a timely sale, I believe I was the only option,
0: okay, so timely meaning like they had a so they did have relative motivation here they, yes. they, they actually so you discovered that they did want to get out, yeah, yeah, okay, what was their time frame when you had initially uh started talking to them
1: well, I don't think i mean they they seemed a little rushed, I don't think they want to disclose exactly what their time frame was, but perhaps a a difference in this situation versus others is that this vendor is sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that, uh, they had no idea about the market and they were stressed out or, you know, there was a leaky basement and they didn't know how to deal with that. Nothing like that at all. Right. So Mm -hmm. they wanted to move money somewhere else. And, uh, and you know, the sale allowed them to move money to, to investments that they preferred.
0: Okay. So they wanted to move it elsewhere. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, that deal works out really nicely. Like, I I wouldn't mind one bit to only have a, you know, a marginal cash flow to be into something for so little.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And, and again, you want to stick to fundamentals. You don't mm-hmm. want to to make investments that don't make sense or make investments yeah. where you can get hurt, right? So, so in terms of the downside and in terms of analysis, we see that it's a fair deal. If you look at some of the potential, potential is a funny word, but if you look at some of the potential and you think about where it could be, could go if things do very, very well. I think the upside is enormous. There is a similar property that uh, we recently had appraised, and the cost per square foot is significantly higher than this building. Okay. So this is something like $85 a foot, and so we're appraising identical properties for $125 or more per foot.
0: In terms of, yeah, okay, so so $125 a square foot of area in that building is is your appraised value.
1: Okay. So, 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 uh, yeah, $125 per square foot. Yeah, per square foot, Yeah. yeah. So... And again, that's not something to be relied on mm-hmm. uh, this month or, or maybe even this year. But once some time elapses, that's, that's where yeah. we see things going.
0: It takes time for the market to acknowledge where the market's going. You know what it I does. mean? Like, it does. Individuals don't like to admit it. People, people don't like change. Uh, you know That's why I think we saw in Toronto when the condo market started bottoming out. or Well, not bottoming out, but started, uh, started going down, declining. A lot of people were hesitant to, to lower their pricing. Mm-hmm. But it, eventually, the more you get desperate, you just start lowering more and more. So it doesn't happen. It's not like a rock falling when things change. Uh, same thing goes when it goes up. Like it's yeah. it's not necessarily going to happen all at once because people have to get used to the idea that things are worth more. I like that real estate yeah. isn't priced daily. That helps. Yeah. But
1: even, even when you're looking, when you're either talking to a realtor or you're ordering an appraisal report, you're still working off comparable sales. And those comparable sales are dated like by definition. They didn't happen this month.
0: Right? Yeah, Exactly. Oh, it takes time yeah that's that's why yeah it's very different from the stock market right stock market's changing in a in a moment you can buy and sell can't do that with real estate probably protects us I it had does Co- cody yay on the on the show and he was remarking how that that really does change the game it actually protects us from ourselves sometimes
1: well yes yes uh, and it's a barrier to entry so it protects us from competitors in a sense
0: true yeah it's not that easy to just jump in you've got to have a have a lot of knowledge um One of the things though, like, uh, John, like kind of just kind of changing gears here. I've always been impressed with is I don't think, you know, just recapping what we talked about the first time you came on the show, you didn't have any formal education. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Like
0: you had your high school and then you went, you went to work. I'm not even a college dropout. I didn't apply. Didn't apply. Didn't go. So you just, I mean, at what point did it click? Like you, from high school, you graduated about 19. Um, at what point did you buy the first property?
1: I bought my first home. I I was actually reviewing the last uh, yeah. the, the podcast from the last time I was here. So I bought my first home when I was 22 and 22. Uh, and we did briefly touch touch on before how I ended up house hacking. Yeah, you're right. So house it was before. so I bought um to to recap in just one minute. Yeah. I didn't want to buy an investment property or live like a student even though my friends were students. Yeah. I wanted a nicer house and so I bought a four bedroom house um intended to carry the whole thing myself and just yeah. not live grand, but maybe live grand for someone who is 22. Yeah. And then uh, once I moved in, I realized that uh, yeah. it costs more than you think. And I got roommates effectively made the property into uh kind of a cash flowing asset. Like a live for free. Yeah. Like, like yeah. if like, I knew I should have bought a duplex or a yeah. triplex and I didn't. And so I made it as if I did. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, that, I mean, that's awesome. So, and then along the way, like, what would you say are the biggest educating um, resources you had? Like what were the number, you know, one, two and three, sources of education that allowed you to become what you are today versus where you started
1: so this isn't going to be helpful as much as interesting but there's there's an old website called CRE online Uh, CRE see I I think it's dead I need to look it up again but uh, they used to record conference calls and I would just go and listen to the conference calls since bigger pockets uh, came into existence and and grew in size bigger pockets is uh, invaluable there's lots of information there um in terms of other resources, I think you kind of need to work on your own your own way to connect with other investors and kind mm-hmm. of keep your ear to the ground. So, uh, I mean, I, I hate to be less than specific, but beyond that, there are Facebook groups yeah. um, and people that you get to know in the industry who you trust, who you communicate with from time to time. Yeah. That's probably the, the best way. Because the other thing is that whether it's one forum or another forum, or even if you you know pay to get into a certain room and connect with other investors... Um, it's not necessarily a replacement for going out and making those connections and then knowing someone who has the right information at the right time.
0: Yeah. Well, you've got to, you got to have a mix of all of it. Did you have a a point of failure though, when you were, when you're coming along, like somewhere at 22, like other businesses, you were doing things that you failed at, that, that you really took something from
1: yeah that's yes uh we're kind of uh we're, are we on the we're same trying to identify, yeah we're trying to identify where the pain was and that's yeah. that's an important part of it so i worked at wendy's i graduated yeah. from high school continued yeah. working at wendy's and i i hated it it uh it didn't work for me at all so you met alicia at wendy's right i did yeah. alicia and i worked at wendy's together so so, so power couple appreciate that yeah. well yeah i started at wendy's so um so something great came out of it but it, it wasn't Fully pleasurable at the time. And Alicia got to leave her job at Wendy's before me. So yeah. uh, she got to move on to better things. And uh, in
0: that moment, I
1: didn't quite yet. And so uh, so that was, so that was an additional pain point.
0: Yeah. But you weren't full-time into real estate off the bat, right? You did other other businesses? Correct. So I
1: uh, used to be an advertising consultant. So I okay. went, back when Google AdWords was fairly new and people didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, so I provide consulting services related to AdWords and other advertising. Is that just something you dove into? like it was. So I, I've, I'd i always liked computers, okay. though, as I considered building a career in that arena, it became apparent that everyone was incredibly intelligent, ruthlessly intelligent, yeah. and that I might not have had the extreme level of commitment. People would say things like, you know, if you're serious about working in tech, you have to drop what you're doing and move to California. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I'm not going to move to California. Um so, so it was a struggle. And ultimately, I, I ran my consulting business for a few years. Um, I had a couple of incidents. Had a I had one client that didn't pay me $25,000, and it okay. was $25,000 I needed. Yeah. And uh, and ultimately, it was just frustrating to try to get ahead in tech and then understand that your contracts had shelf lives and mm-hmm. that none of them were really permanent. And so I instead of having kind of unforeseen failures, I then kind of planned some of the failures and so I saw when this one yeah. one contract was going to go and I I had some lead time and so that's when I got into my first apartment building first purpose built okay. building so just as again another one of my big contracts went right down we purchased the apartment building and uh, just transitioned right into real estate
0: okay so you transitioned uh, right into um Right into working full-time in real estate. And what was it? Was it because you had the house hack and you were living pretty lean that allowed you to just start focusing on this? Yeah. So
1: my personal expenses were maybe even in the hundreds rather than thousands yeah. at that point. Um, we shouldn't say expenses. Bleed, right? <laughs> bleed. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, so, so, yeah. So it didn't take a lot of real estate to cover that off. Yeah.
0: And all of a sudden, yeah, then you're in business and then you can just focus on what it is you need to do, even if you got to stay lean. So this yeah. is why the best time to do it is when you're young, because then you don't have those high standards. Once you've lived in a nice place and, and, uh, enjoyed a Rolls Royce, you don't want to go <laughs> yes. back to a Honda civic, yeah. but if you can start off lean and I've seen it so many times with people who've come on this show it's because they started off lean that they had the ability to, to really dig in, learn what they needed to learn and then grow. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't think this is a skill I'll ever use again, but I think at the time I actually did a pretty good job not balancing it because you do have to go lean. So you don't balance your leanness, you focus on your leanness, mm. but I did do my best to, uh, live well on a budget. So, mm. you know, um, buy quality clothing wear that clothing for as yeah. long as you can until you wear it out um i don't have other examples prepared, but uh I, you know i did drive a luxury car i had a lexus at the time yeah. but uh but if you look at my lexus ownership from beginning to end the cost of it was actually pretty reasonable i tried try yeah. try to look for
0: value wherever yeah, you can, you can right? find value like you don't yeah. need to like i bought a i guess at the time it was a five or a six year old audi but it Still looks great even now. Yeah. And, uh, and I only like two grand on it. So, you know, that's good. So you can, you can do, you could do looks good on a, on a budget. Uh, if you want to exactly yeah it just take, sometimes it just takes a little bit more creativity you got to look for uh for a deal yeah but yeah. Some, i
1: actually maybe this is something i should touch on very quickly mm-hmm. there are some people who say you know you got to house hack you got to save that's all very true and they say just just stop caring about your lifestyle just if mm-hmm. especially if you're not yet 30 years old just ignore your lifestyle live mm-hmm. terribly and i
0: couldn't get myself there no i don't I, think that that's that's necessarily for some that's okay yeah but i think you got to enjoy every day like i i'm actually grateful that Jordan actually kind of pushed me to want to enjoy the nicer things in life a little bit because, I mean, my my uh, mom immigrated to Canada like uh, Dutch family. They had nothing. Like they came to Canada with absolutely nothing. So my grandma made their own clothes. So so we didn't have that need to have nice things thing. Right. Um, you know it, which is a nice thing in one hand but then on the other hand because we never really did fancy stuff or took fancy vacations i kind of hadn't had that experience yet in life mm-hmm. so actually that's one of the things i'm very fortunate for to have met jordan and we kind of did a lot of those fun cool nice things but yeah i had a very i i had a uh, extremely
1: extremely modest upbringing and so uh yeah once i was in my 20s uh it, it was it was not something that I was able to continue for another ten Time years. Time to live it up, yeah, a little bit anyway.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you brought you bought some nice toys. I know you got the uh <laughs> the rolls that looks pretty sweet. Now I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've yet yeah. to see this in person, but I think you had uh didn't Mike uh, profile it? On, he did. Yeah. 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 Uh, it looks Van amazing, Houd. man. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. He does a he does a good job profiling cars. So yeah, for anyone who wants to check it out, I guess they can probably uh, check it out on Mike's channel if they want to see that car. Yeah. The the videography on on that yeah. video is spectacular. Incredible. Yeah. 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 He does a really nice job. So. I'll probably uh find that and put put that in the show notes but uh anyways so thanks for coming up is there something you would like to share kind of based on where you're at right now kind of thoughts for people who want to grow in their real estate business um knowing what's going on in Ontario right now what what are your what are your words and thoughts to people so every
1: single day so far in 2021 I've I've just been buzzing just and maybe this is planned um not a real new year's resolution but kind of I reset because it's a new year. So every day I've gotten up just kind of newly focused on opportunities and being aware of what's going on in the world and making sure it works for me. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, if they're not anxious, um, they can find an excuse to be anxious. They can find a friend or colleague who's anxious. Sure. And I just think that right now it's more important than ever to control the information that comes into your mind and just act purposefully yeah. And, and I, I know discipline doesn't always sound like fun, but uh, you know, discipline is freedom. And I think that now is the time to really focus on what moves you really want to make, where you're really going to go. Um, and that doesn't even mean uh, risk off. To to a certain degree, it means risk on. Yeah. Um, buy investments that work for you. Watch those investments. Ensure that yeah. those investments go through. People have made... Um, not to go off and talk about the stock market, but in 2020, people made some pretty incredible, incredible stock market plays, and they made those plays because they were watching and they were paying attention. And uh, I think, especially now, the more you take in the right information, exclude the wrong information, and just really focus on your own business and your own returns and and your own operations. I think now is the time where the people who do the best job at that are going to have extraordinarily outsized returns compared to everybody else.
0: Yeah. So tending to your business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be paying attention. There's such an easy way to be passive, right? Especially when you're already established, you don't need to be super aggressive with things. But if you're not paying attention, you miss opportunity.
1: And I know it's also energy intensive, and that much <laughs> of life is about energy management. But you can find enthusiasm, especially if you remind yourself that now is the time. Yeah. So na- now, maybe some year, you can yeah. rest on a beach or not worry so much. But now is the time to be especially aware. And, uh, mm-hmm. and if you 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 know if you consider that now might be, and again not to not to uh not respect the the tribulations that some people are going through but now is a time when fortunes are being made and it is the time where you you actually have to to pay attention to get the result
0: yeah. And I think I think that's definitely true. Like there's always somebody, you know, within uh, one kilometer of you that's making a ton of money in real estate, for instance, and yeah. probably a, a lot of other things too. So there's always yeah. an opportunity. Do you have a specific goal that you're trying to reach? Because I think you're at like 23 properties now or something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. How many are we at? Uh, 22. Yes. 22. I yeah. thought this would
0: be 23 as of this closing, the 14. <laughs> It I might could be, wrong. be. <laughs> I don't know. I know so, we talked about this before, but yeah, yeah okay. I, think, I think this is 22. Um, okay. In terms
1: of specific goals, um, I, one thing I, I think I've, I don't know if I mentioned it here on your podcast, but one thing I like to do is play with the exponent function on my calculator. Yeah. And I know that's, it sounds like a weird piece of advice, right? What's my best advice for someone? Well, the exponent yeah. function, <laughs> uh, but seriously, the goal is to get and a respectable return every year year in year out not to make we, we talked last time about how on one deal one time i made 90 percent on my money and yeah. that's wonderful but that's not sustainable for decades yeah so find a solid return and sustain it year over year over year so yeah, be consistent yeah so yeah. i have i have goals in terms of an annual return uh and mm-hmm. using the exponent function on my calculator and the goal is to uh is to set those parameters every year, and then find the buildings and find the deals to fill that goal. And and so far, it's continuing. We've uh, we've done forty percent um, for a few years in a row now.
0: Yeah, now forty percent. You're not actually buying uh, with your own money in in the most cases, right? So, so you're saying 40% just on the money you're actually putting in? Exactly. Okay, But but, but also on it, I mean, once the equity grows. Then so you are to you're start talking like it. a return on equity as well? Yes. Oh, okay. If you're continuously getting 40% return on equity, you're killing it. It's not
1: going to last forever, Yeah, but it's been going for a couple of years.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't know many people getting that because once you grow one year, then it gets that much harder, right? You're going to have to go back and refinance to keep your equity small so that you can keep compounding it and getting really good returns on it. Yeah.
1: This is a limited time
0: Uh, Yeah, This is an in-depth conversation. You really have to wrap your head around this, but return on equity for people listening, like in order to get a maximized return on equity, you can either shrink the equity you have in it or you can increase your returns or a combo of both. And I'm guessing you're doing that. You're refinancing as you go and uh and trying to leverage more precisely that yeah and and it's it's um
1: it's like the machine that needs to be fed though because to Mm -hmm. continue so if you have you know you make money on your money now you have more equity so to make your return on all that additional equity you have to pursue opportunities to get it yeah absolutely right so you need more opportunities you need more in your hopper every single year you got
0: to be networking meeting people talking to people finding deals yeah talking to realtors all yeah. that stuff. And,
1: and those th- we don't expect to make those returns decade over yeah. decade. This this is Well, something- I hope you do.
0: I mean, that's great. I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> I want to make that, too. Uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. OK, John, where should people reach you if they want to uh, learn more or follow you or, or reach out and talk to you?
1: Uh, so I presume we'll put the the link in the description. But um, yeah. I'm reasonably active on Instagram, and I still respond to Instagram DMs. That's probably the easiest way to reach me. Um, you know, if needed, or if we if there's more of an in depth discussion, I, I can give my email address out to people who contact sure. me. Sure. Well, needed, we'll just but, leave them
0: the Instagram. They can yeah. start there, and and uh, I'm sure they'll contact you if, uh, if if that's the right way. Otherwise. They'll find
1: you. It's a good way to keep in touch yeah. because, uh, you know, once or twice a day, I'll just hit refresh and look at the messages on there. Yeah, It's absolutely. a nice way to touch base. And it's it's neat to build mm-hmm. um, small, short kind of relationships with people on Instagram. So, you yeah. know, you, you like someone's story and then five minutes later you see they bought a property. And, yeah. and, and in like 90 seconds of time communicating with someone, you can actually over a year or two kind of get a feel for how they're doing and what they're doing and well so and you can kind
0: of see that what they've posted too yeah i mean i'm not perfect with instagram in terms of getting back to people but i try and catch most messages it gets a little yeah. hard sometimes depending yeah. on how many uh, silly ridiculous things i post it's, it's neat <laughs> when someone writes a message and saying hey you know i i hope you don't mind i just have a
1: one second question and then a yeah. year later you see that they bought something
0: oh yeah i love yeah. seeing that love yeah. seeing that no oh, that's definitely cool all right john it's interesting as always you're uh you're somebody i love talking to because you uh you know a lot of stuff and you think at a high level and uh and i'm sure people are going to get a lot of this out of this so thank you again thank you so much cool well we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in to today's episode please make sure to share this episode far and wide help it help more people i really appreciate you tuning in thanks i'll see you on the next one Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, so one is new york new york men's grooming lounge here in burlington ontario i always see sergio every month Uh, they do a fantastic job their atmosphere there is fantastic there's usually some frank sinatra playing in the background Um, they're a great establishment even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat it really is a lounge and social uh, location which is just such a unique concept in today's market really like those guys i really want to see them succeed If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is... Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.